Hey y'all, welcome to Conversations with Heavy Cardboard. Because we wanted to try and cover all aspects of the hobby, today's going to be something a little bit different and hopefully special and fun. Once folks uh, are in the board gaming hobby, eventually they're likely to come across Board Game Geek, the intersection of database and meeting area for board gamers around the world. And today, I'm very, very excited to welcome to the show Scott Aldi Alden. The founder and head of Board Game Geek, or BGG, as it's affectionately known as. So, welcome to Heavy Cardboard, uh, Scott. Thank you, Edward, for having me. Oh yeah, I've, thank you, I, Amanda, this, too. By the way, it's, it's a duo, right? It's it not it just very you. much is. Yes. I'm sure she'll appreciate that. She's Absolutely. actually in the uh, in the office. She's going to be moderating the chat cool. along with Rob. So, thanks a lot. Uh, all right. So from before we get started, a quick note to everybody that's unfamiliar with the conversations with Heavy Cardboard. If you have any questions for Scott, go ahead and ask them in the chat. Amanda, i.e. the production team, is going to be making note of them. And I'll ask some of them of Scott uh, here towards the end of the conversation. So with that said, all right, from Pong to computer engineering to Sin to Duke Nukem to Warhammer, give folks a little bit of background here uh, uh, about how you got started wow that's where'd you get that information <laughs> that's bringing <laughs> hey, back some memories hey that's my job right, right? so um <laughs> yeah so my probably my entire life has just been centered around gaming minus a little bit of like real life in the early 90s when i got when i graduated college like that was like when i had to work a real job right i say a real job but it's you know it was a computer engineering job at northern telecom for uh BNR, which I worked on the first mobile phones in North America. Well, I mean, they cool. weren't the first, but they were not the big, big heavy ones. The little ones, not the so, huge bricks, right? Yeah, the the port, the really cool Nokia. We had Nokia's and all that stuff, and so I was like a software engineer there. Anyway, that was my only like real non, like what I would call a fun work, working in the game world job. But my entire life has been games. So, like as you said, um, um, where do I start? Oh, the wherever you world? want. I, I mean, know. yeah, like, start uh, start with after you left. Uh, yeah, uh, so left cell phones. I, I got a call one day from some two two friends of mine who had worked or sorry, who I went to college with. I went to the University of Florida, mm -hmm. um, and I worked in Dallas. And they were friends of mine, and they had gone to California, and they worked at a startup called 3DFX. So 3DFX was a early days computer 3D graphics chip for mostly for gaming. There were some professional applications, but it was mostly gaming. Okay. And they needed a Mac or an Apple evangelist at the time. Wow. So this is before Macs were cool, by the way. <laughs> like, no one owned a Mac. Like, I didn't know anybody that had a Mac. Um, I And I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? I know, I mean, I like Apple computers, and I, but I never owned one. Right. And they're like, oh, yeah, come on out. It'll be great. You'll get to work in video game stuff and do, you know, work on these cool 3D graphics chips, which was like a dream. You're like, everybody's like when we were graduating college, like the only jobs were telecom, right? It was telecom and like IBM. Those were the two main hiring people at the time. Okay. Or right. defense. And defense. You said this is when? Uh, 1993. Okay. All yeah. right. So right about the time I was joining the Marine Corps, you, you, I graduated. You All right. Okay. College. Fair enough. But I had worked three for three years at, and, and at Northern telecom or BNR as it were. Um, but so then fast forward three years. So this was 1996, right? When video, when video games and 3D graphics were starting to come okay. uh, into the mainstream. Um, so I went out there and I 
they they gave me an offer that day, and I said sure. Just threw everything to the wind and moved out to California. <laughs> I dig it. Yeah. All right. I mean, it was really like that. It was literally one. I was I was in California by the end of the year, and I think it was maybe a month. Maybe that's exciting maybe though, right? Yeah, something like yeah. It was pretty crazy. Like to be able to do that in your life, I feel is important sometimes. But um, I know a lot of people can't do that kind of stuff because you get family and obligations and taking sure. those risks and things like that. It was kind of risky, right? I was just like, I'm going to California. See you guys. <laughs> I'm out. I, I'm out. <laughs> and so that started me down the path of computer game programming. And so I would, I would fly to different companies and help them implement 3d graphics, like implementations of their two dimensional games. So I worked with Bungie on a game called myth. I don't know if anybody remembers that. I'm sure. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, and I got to work in the Bungie offices. This pre-Halo, you know, it was very cool. Like they were very cool. I worked on Doom, or sorry, Quake, the Quake engine with um, wow. another Apple developer in. They were in Austin, called Lion. So I'd fly around and and go to all these cool game companies and and be so jealous because 3D Effects, while it was a um, computer graphics company, it was not uh-huh. a game company. It was run like a startup, right? It was very like business official structure nine to five not really nine to five we were, we were working like crazy hours we were working 12 hour days like constantly. right so well as um, you do in a startup right yeah and so but i was always jealous of kind of the rock star lifestyle of video game programmers right like they're i always viewed them as kind of like rock stars in my mind like oh they're making the game they're making the games right i'm just kind of producing the sound you know or whatever you know like in that kind of okay. world, right yeah yeah no i behind the scenes stuff right. as opposed to the actual hey these are the guys actually doing the stuff yeah so i eventually uh well in fact the story goes the two friends who brought me to california moved back to dallas and then they called me six months later and said hey they have a programmer job here on this game called sin do you want to come work at that <laughs> like oh, oh well i'll 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 see, right? Like I flew back to Dallas and I interviewed, I interviewed with them and I interviewed with Ion Storm, and I also interviewed with another company called Rebel Boat Rocker, and then eventually okay. I, I ended up with Ritual Entertainment, and that was where I got into the video game industry properly. Okay, okay. all right. So that's what started me down the path of video game programming, and I worked in video game programming for six years. No, wait, eight years. Did you enjoy it? Oh yeah, it's it's some of the best most challenging work I've ever had in my life. Like video game programming is, I don't know how to explain it. It's like solving like thousands of problems and eventually you'll have a game at the end of it. Right. Like that from a programming standpoint, everybody goes, okay, can we do this? And you're like, Hmm, maybe let me think about it. I'll work on it. Oh, Hey. And then at the end of the next day or something like, Hey, check this out. It works like that. Okay. That's the, that's the way it worked there. I mean, I don't know if that's the way it is these days. Okay. But, um, it's it was super challenging, right? Because you don't you don't go to school. For, well, back in that those days, you didn't go to school to go to learn how to make games. Right? You learned sure. how to program. You learned how to software design things like that. But and then it was a lot of experimentation. You're saying absolutely. Like if you wanted it in the game, you put it in the game. Yeah. So that's, that's the way it works. That's really cool. Yeah. It gives you freedom. I would imagine. It also gives you a great sense of like accomplishment when you have something work. You know you what you see is what you get in a game, right? Right. You can think about it and how it should work. And then when you see it on the screen and it works, you're like, wow, 
That's yes, awesome. I did that. I yep. made that. That's cool. Yep. very cool. All right. So, so from worked, there, yeah. But so the last five years of it, I worked on Duke Nukem Forever, which was a long-standing game in development for easily a decade. Right. And, and eventually came out, but after well after I left the company. Um, but anyway, so during all this time. I don't know. I'm, I'm giving you a lot of backstory about the video. Game no, no, show. this is awesome because I, I, I mean, I want to know how all the. I, I'm the world's biggest five year old. I want to know the why and the how. So no, this is awesome. Right. Um. So during all this time, I was playing games on the side. Right. I would play video games for sure because I was kind of part of the job. But sure. I'd also play <laughs> board games, tabletop games, mostly. Um, what were you playing back then? Warcraft was the jam. And Magic the Gathering, <laughs> uh, of course, Magic. Right, Magic yeah. blew me away. Like when I when I first came across Magic, my he wasn't my roommate, but we were really good friends, and we eventually became roommates. He was also a college buddy when we were working at um, Northern Telecom in Dallas. Okay, he comes he comes to my house. He goes, I got this new game. We got to check it out. It's really cool. I'm like, I look at it. And I go, It's just brown crap, like poop brown <laughs> cards, right? Like that's what I thought. I'm like. And really muddy artwork and kind of like, what is this game that you're so infatuated with? Like, it totally didn't have any style pop. in my mind. No, right. it did yeah, not yeah, pop. Yeah. We're like looking right. at poop, like literally poop-colored brown back, brown-backed cards. And, <laughs> and he deals it out and teaches me the game. And I'm like, before this, I'm mocking him. Like, how much did you spend on this? Like, it's $3. <laughs> or back then, I think it was $2 or something for a pack and like 10 for a starter or something. And he had dropped 50 bucks. And I said, you spent $50 on this? And back in the 90s, that the $50 today, I think, is you know obviously not as much sure. drop on a game. But that was a lot of money for a game. And I'm mocking him and being stupid and just like kind of like just making fun of him. And then we play. <laughs> and I'm like, let's go to the store. I want to buy my own. <laughs> like instantly. Because that game, uh, I don't know if you know, there are, there's. I run across a lot of people in the board game world today that have not played Magic, and I'm just, I just, I can't fathom that they haven't. They missed out. So if you have not played Magic as a uh, young tabletopper, you should go back and play it because it's one of the best games ever made. And you, and you, I was. Do you hooked. still play it uh, online? Um, I know you did a while back, but not I've anymore. I've dabbled in it. I've played a little bit um, here and there. Like I'll, I'll download the annual you know 2017 version or whatever it is and i've got a huge online collection like i could go to their if it's still running i don't even really keep up with it much okay i had we scoured the town and bought every pack in town like so i instantly overnight had a huge collection and that's kind of the way i am like when i get into something i'm just like i'm all in right (laughs) hi me too yeah yeah. i'm sitting in it could be like obsessive (laughs) compulsive But yeah, and so we were in Magic and we would play constantly. And I remember one of my favorite memories. I mean, it's a weird memory that to be a favorite. We were playing Magic Friday night in my friend's house and and we were watching the OJ chase. And like that was like, that's burned into my brain. The, you know, the low speed OJ. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On the highway. And And we're playing Magic like all night watching this thing on TV. (laughs) Because that was also the NBA finals. It's like, it was just a weird night. Anyway, so that's my magic. They, they even made a 30 for 30 movie about that yes. night and how that went down, right? And I remember it well because we were playing magic. We were playing one of those <laughs> where we have a deck of like, you know, 200 cards, one of everything kind of thing that I forget the, the term Highlander, I think. 
Okay. One, all there right. can only be one. And so we'd play that all night. That's cool. Yeah. All right. So anyway. from there. And then, then I went where? into Warhammer. Like during that time, I was playing Magic and Warhammer. And I got into all the armies. Like I was Warhammer Fantasy was the game. Okay. And I picked up, you know, armies and collecting and painting and all that stuff. And that's a life in a, a lifestyle game unto its own. Warhammer. Very much it's, so, from what I've heard, yes. And it's fa- it was fabulous. I mean, I I really loved the long hours I put into that game. Like, I don't think I wasted it. It was very fun, rewarding. Okay. Um, and then when I came back to California, sorry, when I, I moved to California and worked in that startup for a year, and I played probably just a little bit of Magic, but it was very much, hey, let's, let's work our asses off on this startup and make a million dollars, right? Like, that's the, okay. that was the mentality. All make right. millions of dollars was you know so you're kind of like work 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 sure but when i moved back to dallas and the, get into video games i was like hmm i have more free time now and i can do other things so i looked for games to play like you know back to get kind of get back into it so right? gaming really was the hobby that you were focused yeah, on then right okay all right and this was more tabletop and okay. so I was reading, like, Rec Games Board. I don't know if that rings a bell to anybody. Uh, I, I, I'm familiar with it. Like, I know the you term, know but that it. was pre-me. Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, before so I was in a hobby. Back in the day, uh, you to, to learn about games, you would read Rec Games Board, which was kind of like a bulletin board system. And you, it was a, it's a, called an internet news group. And so it would be just like, right. you put up a post and everybody would see it. It was kind of like that. That's the technology of it. And you could reply. Kind of like Reddit. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Reddit is the modern day version of Rick or uh, news groups. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. 100%. Uh, So I was reading about that and I I was reading about this game called, I forget, it was Elfin Lands or Elfin Roads at the time. Okay. Right. And you probably know it. Um, Familiar with it. Yes. Yeah. And so I was looking for it and little did I know that I only like 400 copies were produced ever right and not really made it to the united states but i was looking for it so i went to the game store asked for it and they're like no we don't have that but we do have this other game called settlers of Catan, and you might like that i'm like oh okay i'll All buy right. it and it was the poop brown box version you guys like for some reason games and poop brown coloring <laughs> play a big role in my life like the the, the, the I am the, noticing a, a theme it here. wasn't the cool Scott. red box like they have now it was a poop brown wooden you know wood coloring look at whatever so i bought that and i bought um what was the other game manhattan oh okay so i had these games sitting on my shelf i brought them home and i'm like i'll go check it out sometime never had a chance to for maybe like six months so like um, a typical gamer you just buy it was just sitting on the shelf look on the shelf right absolutely yeah (laughs) um (laughs) so one night we were playing poker i had a regular poker group Nice. I came back and one night one of the guys didn't come in. I think we had like four. It was four four player poker is not super fun. I mean we played a little and they were like, Well, I brought that other game to try if they wanted to. And so we cracked it open, read the rules, which the rules of settlers are not easy, like to raw read if you'd never played board game. I, I like, still have pretty... never played settlers. Uh, to this day, so oh I'll gosh. take your word for it. <laughs> yeah, call yourself heavy cardboard. Hey, never played we, we went past it. Uh, Dominant species actually was this and There's Arkham nothing, Horror. Not even close to the same. <laughs> so I'll just I won't hold that against you. As Amanda, played? I appreciate. Oh that. my gosh, you guys seriously have to go play that. 
Uh, I know you just sidetracking me with the with the mind blowing. Okay, I cannot believe that everybody in tabletop gaming has not played Settlers. I, nope. I guess nope. it's sort of a hipster thing. No, no, it's it's just when we got into the. Ho- I mean, we're still fairly new to the hobby. I mean, we're yeah. only. If really, you haven't been in for twenty something years, you're still no. We've you're only new. been in for like four and a half years. Coming <laughs> right. up on that's five a years. drop in the bucket of exactly. Game, right? And yeah. so we just we yeah, started out like with Arkham Horror and Dominant Species. Those were our introductions to the hobby. So we played Settlers that night, and it blew our minds. Like we were just like, you know, wow. And we played it, and we played it, and we played it, and we just kept playing it. And I I can't remember how many times, maybe like four times in one night, which is a lot. Because Settlers yeah, is kind it, of a long one game. night, yeah. Yeah, we were going late. And we're uh, that's all I could think about was Settlers, Catan. We never played Manhattan. <laughs> never <got to> that. <laughs> which, you know, whatever. I played Manhattan later, and I wasn't really super happy with it. But whatever. Uh, Settlers kind of <laughs> changed my life in a way, right? Like, that was kind of that beginning of the turning point of okay. figuring out what these games were right all right and so i was going online i was looking around for like more information like on rec games board right mm-hmm. um like give me more information about this these games and i there there was posts and things and i was like oh reading about it and i i, I kept coming across this one guy writing um his name is dirk dirk solko okay and he was writing session reports. We call them, right? If I say session reports, everybody knows what that is. Do I need to define that? I, no, you're fine. Okay, you're good. we'll skip. Advanced. <laughs> so he's writing session reports, and he was from Dallas. And I was like, wow, this guy lives in Dallas. I will just write to him and see if I can join this awesome gaming group that he has. They've, okay. That they've formed called the Dallas Metro Gamers. So I wrote to Dirk, and I I got a response back. And I, I, I was very forward, which is weird for me. Like, I'm not usually this forward. I said, hey... Read, been reading your stuff really cool can i join your group like that was the email and totally out of character uh, very out of character for me i'm really not that forward with people right i don't put myself right in there invite myself into things right but i was feeling pretty strongly about this so i thought i want to be part of that experience right like if you read okay. those session reports and you're like wow this is a thing I want to be. I could see myself, and he wrote dozens of them, right? So I kind of projected myself into that, and I'm like, okay, oh, like I really could cool. see how I could fit in with this. Exactly, this is something like cool the, that I want to be a part of. Some might say it's cyber stalking, but that's basically <laughs> what it was. But that's back in the day. We don't need to talk about that anyway. Right. So I wrote him, and he writes me back. Goes, hold on, hold a second. We don't normally invite people on. You know, you don't get invited to the group without us like meeting and like having some time to check you out. Like they're going to sort vet of an interview. First. Like, or, yeah, exactly. Like make sure you're not a wanker. That's what his term was. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Wankered him. Anyway. So I meet up with Dirk. This is totally weird, right? Like I meet up with Dirk and his friend Ken, but I had, here's the thing. I, I kind of felt like I knew them already. Like, cause I had read all this stuff. Right. Right, so you feel like you so knew him, but no- he knew nothing about you, right? Exactly, right. So it sounds weird, but this was like a different era of time, like back in, this is the 90s, right? So. You know, it, it's not that crazy, because I get that a lot nowadays with the podcast and the YouTube channel. Whenever we go to cons, yeah. people say that exact thing, and I'm right. like, ah, I'm used to it at this point. Yeah. <laughs> but very weird for me to kind of go out of that show. Okay, right? all right, fair anyway, enough. Yeah, so I met up with these guys. We went to dinner. We talked. They invited me back to his place, not Dirk's. It was Ken's place, and we played okay. Tigris and Euphrates. 
You know, that's why that's why that's I I was going to make a comment like I can't believe you got the box on the wall right there. Did you put that up for me? (laughs) Yes, I did. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) So that that was another turning point. And Tigers and Euphrates changed my life. Like that was the point where I was really hooked into I guess we'll call them German games at that time because they were sure or Euros, Euros, I guess, nowadays. Right. Yeah. We call them German games back then. Right, like that was the term, German games. Everything was Germany, and so I, I played that, and I just was like, boom, hooked. Right, like I can't get enough of this. Awesome. And back then, games were hard to get in America. You would have to go to Germany, or you would have to order from Germany to get the games. Right, there was not. Funigan was around. They were and they were importing games, but I was very hesitant to use them for some reason like i didn't quite get grasp but that they were taking orders to go buy games for you in essen in german spiel right so instead i found this company called adam spielt i'm parlaying this into the creation of bgg by the way so stick with me you're dude you're fine i'm 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 riveted so continue please i'm hoping i'm not too boring okay so um adam spielt blast from the past was a company in germany a game company had a color catalog that it would that it mailed to you which was amazing so you, and but all in german of course and sure so you get this catalog and you get the new one and you page through it and you'd be like i don't know i don't know these i'll say like 20 games right because back then it was really only like maybe 20 or 30 games a year coming out okay. like that, that wow. kind of quantity and i checked them all off and i'd be like i'm ordering all of them <laughs> right so i was ordering <laughs> just blind Re- right we reference the whole don't know how to do things half in right you there was no google i mean there was i think i used dogpile back then do you remember dogpile and like yahoo's not yahoo wow um, uh, excite Al- and Alta stuff Vista, like that excite yeah alta vista hasta yeah. la vista dogpile <laughs> those were the search engines right no chance Crazy. you were going to find any information about these games no sure. chance it was on rec games board very little like very few hits um for any of it and I would just order them. Like, I'm just like, okay, well, maybe they'll be good. Maybe they won't be. But then I'll, <laughs> you'd also have to figure out how to translate these things. I was going to ask, like, there, if these yeah. are all in German. There was what? a website, uh, two websites, actually. The Game Cabinet and the Gaming Dumpster. Oh, those ring a bell. Those uh, were the basically... Ca- uh, the Game Cabinet does. The Game yes. Cabinet, yeah. I think the Game Cabinet is still, like, alive if you go to it. Um, it they had translations of games. Right? Oh, so that's you could cool. Do, that's helpful. For okay. many of the games were translated, and those guys were working on translations. So there was kind of like this little sub, 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 subculture of gaming that was, was doing German game translations. So, I, but I was I was spending hundreds of dollars a week, right? And so I'd get these giant boxes from Europe, and they'd be smashed. Acro- Can I curse on the show? I'm You're hurt. fine. You're totally fine. Smashed to shit, right? Like they'd be right. ding, damn, you know, ding, dinged and dented like crazy because the just shipping overseas was bad. So I'd rip it open and I'd take all the games. And by this time, I was inter- indoctrinated into the group. Like they, they liked me enough that I was allowed to come. <laughs> okay, you're you're addicted <laughs> enough. You can they, be one yeah. Of you us. can join us. And I wasn't a wanker, right? So that was the right. Thing. And I would bring all the games. I'd just bring the whole stack, like the big bag, you know, the big box or whatever. Right. And we'd try to figure them out, print the awesome. translations out, I'll have it all ready to go. I wouldn't learn them, of course. That's that's my flaw. Like I like to learn games like live at the table, which is bad. Okay. A lot of times you'll anyway, whatever I'm digressing. So I would come over with this big stack of games and I'd go, let's play something. And Dirk would go, no, let's not play that one. I don't, I heard it's no good. 
Not, not heard anything good about that one. Oh yeah, I've heard good things about this one. Let's play that. I'm like, huh? You heard? And you're like, wait, wait, these are brand new, dude. I, I'm like, how um, you... yeah, exactly. Like, how did you hear about these things? Like, what? Wait, how do you? Because I'm like, are you <laughs> like, what are you mind reading the game? Right, are no. you a savant? Here yeah. It's... And no, what it turned out that it was he was a member of a private mailing list, right? Called diggers which is short for desert island gamers right okay like, what game would you take on a desert island yeah yeah right and i said oh a mailing list and you guys talk about games and stuff like yeah i'm like oh, how many people like well it was like a couple hundred like really and i just <laughs> felt so outside at that moment right i was like right. trying to be hmm I've been struggling, and, and, and there were some, to give credit, there were some blogs and things out there, um, I'm going to name them if I can remember them, Stefan, o, yeah, Stefan O'Sullivan had a blog. Who still is on, who, who is still, who is on BGG right now, right? yes. And I see him every year, and he's a great person. Um, and uh, Mick, Mick Svelov, Brett and Board, and he's a Danish gentleman who, write, who wrote about board games. Okay. Um, and Kulkman, who's German, lives in, he lives in Essen. Um, he wrote about convenient. Games. Yeah. Um, or he may be, he, I don't know if he actually lives in Essen, but he lives close there. He, he's, okay. he's local. Um, those guys were writing and I'm probably forgetting. Oh, and Peter, um, Peter Serrett wrote, um, a, a, a zine about games. Right. So I was kind of consuming all this, like, but it was really not enough. Right. Like it, you, when you want to know about this stuff, you really do like you want a hundred percent understand how that is. Yes. So the fix, right. Uh, so I learned about this game list or this mailing list. And I said, can I get on it? And they're like, no, <laughs> <laughs> well, we need to. So yet again, a gatekeeper in front of me to getting into the gaming, right? Like, and, would they and need to get to the information you sure that you're, you're trying to a, get, right? A troll, right? Like, like, are you, a, so you have to go through a little bit. You have to have a sponsor and I'll sponsor you, of course. And, then you fill out a kind of a resume or I forget that how it was that day. you wrote up like a wow. Bio, and then basically they talked about you in the group. Like there was a little bit of whatever that word is called. When you try to, when you evaluate somebody to be part of the group, like wow. frater- you know, fraternities do that too. Right. When you jump, when you play yeah. the fraternity, they're all like, I think Laurelly, is that the name? I probably, that's uh, not the wrong uh, name. That's probably the wrong term. Anyway. So but still, Wow. Right. They took and this so stuff I felt, serious. I felt weird about that. I'm like, okay, I'll do it. Because I was just dying to see what it was. Like, the, right. the door is here, and it's like, what's behind that door? Please tell me. And so I finally got in, right? And this was run by Greg Schlosser. I, I didn't mention Greg Schlosser. Very prolific session report. He's written thousands of them, like literally thousands. And they're mostly That's all amazing. I mean, I'm familiar with Greg. I've never met him, but I know of him and Wonderful who he person. Is. Friendliest gamer you'll ever meet. Is great. So uh, I got into the list, needless to say. Um, and a light shine, and, shines down. And, and, and it's oh. like this door, like, yes, behind what's behind the door? And I said, uh, I started, and it was a Yahoo group, right? Yahoo groups. And, oh, yeah. Oh, I'm still uh, active on on a couple of them, the 18XX and Winsome. It's, a, it's yep. my only choice. It's great technology. <laughs> so um, I opened the door, and you can go and to the archives of a Yahoo group. I don't know if you know that. You yep. go back and read everything. It's all there. So I read all of it. 
you know, just going back in time or going, starting the beginning, going forward. And I'm like, oh, well, here's this game and here's this game that I'd already tried and they talked about and either said is great or it's bad or whatever. That kind right. of sense. So, so I went through and I, and I was like, wow, this is so amazing. Like, why is all this information hidden and private? Mm-hmm. And then just kind of like a light bulb turned on. I'm like, wow, hmm. I had up to that point, I was, you know, video game guy or whatever. And I had launched a video game. I guess you would call it like a news sharing website. Okay. Kind of like an early version of Reddit <laughs> where people would post things and you would talk about it and had discussion groups. and yada, yada. Yeah. So uh, this was, that was all video games. And I thought to myself, well, with a little bit of work and probably some changing, I can make it into a, I, you know, it was a video game data, video game database, and then I can turn it into a board game database. Not no big deal. Okay. Just need to keep track of what we want to keep track of. And so from that point, I was decided to do it. And I'm just like, boom, just start coding. And I think I started coding on it November of 1999, maybe, maybe a little earlier than that, October, November. And then January, and then in January 2000, right? 20th, 2000, we launched it. It's on the, you can go search for the launch on Rec Games Board. Like, wow. hey, Board Game Database, here you go. It was Dallas Metro Gamers because a lot of the Metro Gamer guys were helping, like, in like populate the first like the first i want to say like 500 games is all of our collections combined together <laughs> little, little so, known fact that's pretty cool if you go okay. in order from the numbers one through ten like those are the first 10 games that we wouldn't it wasn't until 42 that tigers and euphrates came up which was kind of i was kind of say, a, that, um, not on purpose by the way but pretty magical <laughs> that's why democker is number one then right democker was number one that was the that was dirk's game yeah yeah. Wow. And he, yeah, he loved that game, and I loved Tigris. So very, that's very how cool. it started. Uh, so it was kind of like born from, like, lack of you know, I was number one user. I wanted to learn about all the games, and that's kind of where it started. All right. So, wow, seventeen years ago, then yeah. uh, coming up, I guess seventeen and a half years ago now. Um, so just the database is what right. it really was, was to make it more accessible to, right. I would say the average user, but I mean, who was this for then really? It was mostly so. for me and like for the other people who were into this, who wanted to find that information for themselves as well. Like that was the, that was the goal. Um, and that, so fast forward, maybe a year or so I event, someone said, well, what is the, what is the goal of BGG? And I said, oh, it's to be the definitive board game resource like the the worldwide definitive resource for board games that's that was the goal that was that was the is? goal back in, and still is okay yeah okay still is the goal <laughs> all right <laughs> hasn't changed um <laughs> so because you know there's and, and as you've seen this hobby change like back in the day there was maybe 20 to 30 40 games coming out per year and when i say per year like the, the games that we cared about, right? Like the heavy cardboard, like the the gamer games, not not the fluffy. Understood. Flan, the, the lighter, you know, like there the was lighter lots of end. children's games and lots of family games, and and that was a struggle because I I wanted all the games in the database. Okay. But um, others wanted more focus on just the gamer games, like just the ones that we care about. And I okay. was thinking to myself, well, why why stop at just that? Because there's all the games, right? That, that was makes kind sense. Of like, yeah. I mean, you can always sort it or 
filter right, that's or been, that's whatever. the challenge is to try to figure out like where do i find now how do i find the information in this sea of over information so we went from very little to almost nothing to where we are now with thousands of games coming out a year and tons of information and like 50 videos and 50 reviewers and you know like it's just huge compared to what it, it was it has blown up yeah. uh, <laughs> a little bit so bit. all right well let's let's talk about uh, let's talk about the the site itself here sure. for a little bit what what are you most proud of with BGG in general over the course of 17 years what am I most proud of Hmm. Good question. I didn't mean to There's start so it out hard on. like that. Sorry well, about that. Um, oh, give me a few then. Well, yeah. So, I mean, I love that it's a database and that you can keep track of all of your games, right? Like that. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. Yeah. We use that for our insurance purposes. Is truly that's what, how we track our collection. Right. Like once you start getting beyond fifty games, it's hard to keep it all in your head. Right. Big time. Like that. That along with like kind of the whole infrastructure tied around that your collection, right? Like you could just live your collection online without. Mm-hmm. You can trade it. You can mark your ratings. You could put comments in. You can keep track of your inventory. You can. You can like even you said, say how can, much you spent on a game right, when you, you acquired all it. that stuff, right? Like yeah. that kind of. That feels like the most proud thing to me. Like okay, the fact that that's integrated with the database. I think. I mean, in the. The user system is just like that changed the that 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 was like a, a full like change of a paradigm in board game geek because the, because in the early day there was no user accounts like it right. was just a read only here's a database and here's what we pasted so let's go back in time back to 2000 we had no data right we were entering in data from our game collection right and so we started doing that for a year and we would write to every person on the diggers mailing list and say hey can we use your session reports and put them in the database right and it will attribute it to your name like so it was sort of like a reproduction of their work with with permission with permission right right and so we did that for a long time and greg slosher gave us all of his uh, session reports gave us permission for all them that's a huge you know treasure trove right? right and so then you have to go back and create the game entries for all those games too right so it kind of all gelled together at one point i thought i need to make the users be able to do this automatically and then we don't have to cut and paste it all day long right like that was like that was the job right cut and pasting and like entering in data and at that point you're like i'm tired you know you can only do so much of that yourself right like that's just part of the world um but when users are there they can create and that's that web 2.0 philosophy which i think it was 2002 when i when the user system went live i'm i'm Mis- probably misremembering the dates but like this was pre-wikipedia right? okay like user user submissions so that was kind of i was a little bit ahead of my time there with the like user created website type stuff mm-hmm. like, that, that wasn't a really a big thing until commercial internet which was much later and web 2.0 all right yeah so anyway, okay so that's that's proud i'm proud of that i guess is the no, and, there's nothing and, and wrong with kind that. Of, I, mean, I, I like, I'm very proud that it's the place where board gamers can come to chat and talk and hopefully in a very like positive environment. Like that's another thing we try to promote is positivity. And, you know, with the internet being quite negative these days, it's hard to it's, keep that under. Well, that's cool. where the moderators come in, right? 
absolutely yeah so on that note what's been the most fun thing aspect of bgg oh bgg con is the most fun i, I figured that was a softball yes. i thought maybe yes, there would you. be a different answer but <laughs> i also like so, going to the conventions too those are fun it's all the convention uh, life right? all right so so we'll, we'll double back to bgg con here in a little bit then sure. um what is your favorite aspect of the site your personal favorite aspect of the site hmm I guess the fact that I can track or I can subscribe to games that I like to keep mm -hmm. track of and then it'll notify me when someone does something. Like if I really like I, I like videos. I I'm subscribed to a ton of video people. Um and I <clears throat> Yeah. I need to add you to the list. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm probably Thanks, behind. Scott. Yes. Right. So that's kind of fun for me. Like I'll click my subscriptions and read all that stuff and that's every day right like i'll just go through and yeah sometimes I, mean, I have to unsubscribe like i was subscribed to gloomhaven for a bit and it's just <laughs> boom this flood of gloomhaven but i couldn't get enough of it right at one point i was just like, everything work gloomhaven so I, I like the fact that i can kind of like ebb and flow with the content right like i can turn it on and turn it off as i want like the customization of that is really nice okay and that was actually programmed by dan daniel carp is one of our programmers so or i should say a programmer or the other programmer in board game world we have two you, and, you and you and daniel and Dan. yeah all right so okay so on the flip side of it though what's the most frustrating aspect of the site that you have to uh the frustrations yeah the frustrations are kind of like the um the slide towards internet negativity okay like the the ease of which people bash and trash things and other people's opinions is really frustrating to me. It, it, it's all about like, whoever has the loudest voice. There's no discussion anymore. It seems. It, it depends where you look. I mean, there's certainly plenty, there's plenty of discussion, but that doesn't got, get hits, doesn't get views. Like, which is a shame. Yeah. It's basically like, Oh my God, can you believe blah said blah about blah? You know, like, right. Like uh, Tom Vassell's biggest videos are always really negative ones where he throws a game off the, off the roof. Right. Like that just shows you internet, internet negativity draws views because it's like a car record, the popcorn, get the popcorn. Right. So that's super frustrating. Right. I'm a very positive person. I try to be anyway. <laughs> and I like, I, I try to think I'm, I'm pretty empathic. Like, I know what it takes to make games like because I made them right. I'm a video game developer right? and to see a person just trash a game without well, maybe saying, giving it a fair shot. Like it took that person years to make and it took you 30 minutes to trash it. You know what I mean? Like that kind of say, Oh, a, I, a little I, bit frustrating I, sometimes. we, we push up against that as well for the simple fact that we, there are ways to discuss and talk about, games in which you might be able to convey a similar idea or feeling without trashing you know what absolutely, i mean absolutely absolutely yeah a, a, a critique is a is a good thing and i'm not saying that bad reviews no are, no no uh, i understand it's, it's, it's the, just it's the yeah, kind the, of dismissive attitudes and negativity towards other people who enjoy things that you don't like that frustrates me yeah like there's a game play, right now like very a very 
I will say reviled game on Board Game Geek that just had a remake and people are enjoying it and I'm and that's great. But and play what you dig. E- that's there's that's equally our a mantra. number of people trashing those people's opinions and it's like that 100%. just breeds negativity and hostility and I don't like it. But it's the world I, I live in. Yep. No, <laughs> I hundred percent agree with you. I mean, our, our mantra is play what you dig. So sure. I mean, hey, if you. You, you, if you enjoy game X, Y, and Z, go play game X, Y, and Z. No one, no one should judge you for that. We're not. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. Anyway, so that's the biggest frustration. Uh, any good war stories about BGG? And I don't mean like you know drama or anything like that, but any really like memorable, fun, just exciting. Wow, you wouldn't believe this over the course of BGG. Huh. I mean, I'm sure you got some. You put me on the spot and I can't remember anything. No, all right. It, I guess it, that first convention was the big thing. Like, I remember being very nervous about meeting. I mean, the BGG Con was basically created to um, get the users together to play games, right? Like, that okay. was the point of it. Um, and it was a kind of a, a a nervous feeling of like, well, we're taking a big risk because I don't know. You, you run a convention, but. Yeah, when you run a convention, you take a you take down a financial risk. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> sometimes big ones. Like hotels are not hotel contracts are scary things, right? Yes, like if yes, you they are. Fulfill them, cancellation. Will, cancel. <laughs> There's a ton of things, and so we were super nervous about that first one, and so I guess that was kind of my biggest. I don't know. That's not really a war story. It's not really dramatic, but um, if you give me no, that, I, maybe maybe something will pop into my head. All right, so 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 let's let's follow that up. How did BGG Con? startup how did that come to be exactly that it, it was it was like hey you, you know things are different now like with users and like internet but back then we it took us years and years to get a thousand users <laughs> you know i mean like that was the that was the struggle like getting people to know what this was and getting people to sign up and stuff and contribute and talk and all that stuff but eventually, you start getting the regulars, right? You start seeing the same people post. You get start. You start getting the avatars, like that little right. system, like that puts a, a face on people, rather than just a, a you know a string of text, sure, username. And so that eventually, you're like, hey, well, let's let's maybe get together and because that's what we do, right? We play the games. We like BGG as a hobby is in itself a hobby, but also you know remember that we're playing games in the, in the other time. So that was I, kind I of the point. One hundred percent relate let's to that as well. Yes. Yeah, and so that was the goal. And I think the first BGGCon was two hundred and fifty people. Oh, that's still pretty Maybe. big for a first was, con, right? But that's what you needed to get into the hotel, like that uh, for that hotel. Like in Dallas, hotels are it's they're all corporate, right? Like you you're you're competing to get hotel space with corporations that can drop that makes tens, sense. if not hundreds of thousand dollars to to get the rooms whatever and so we went as small as we could right like 200 was like the smallest we could get and so that was the first year and i remember like distinctly packing up a u-haul with all my games like i just put all my games in the library i think i had about a thousand at that point maybe maybe a little less than that and just packing up those big you know 50 gallon tubs or whatever they are and putting them on a truck and then unloading them in the middle of the night on a dallas alley right behind the hotel the high or the Westin downtown i was very kind of concerned that we were like by ourselves in (laughs) dallas somebody's gonna mug you for your obscure german games and i remember breaking the u-haul handle the door handle and not being able to open the door like that was was, there's a war story for you 
still in my memory. Broke the broke the door handle on the U-Haul and couldn't open it. So I had to roll the window down and open it. For That's awesome. So so that was the first. So obviously it was successful because here we are. You know, yeah, how, yeah. what 10, 12 years later now, and now it's now you can't print get a big enough can't place. Get a ticket. Yep, it's a good. It's a hot ticket. Now we can't get in a big enough place. And that's the thing is like, uh, I mean, I always, so what year was that first BGG con 2005. Right. Um, so I had been invited luckily with, through these networking of people invited to the gathering of friends back in 1999, I think my first year was 2000. Yep. Um, and so I got to go to a proper board game convention, which was in a hotel. And I had previously only gone to conventions that were, let's say not so great. (laughs) Like you would show up to these conventions and pay your whatever, 20, $30 to get in. And you would, there'd be like, they're just like, okay, you're in like, that's it. Like, huh? Okay. Well, what do I do? Okay. Well (laughs) play games. Well, okay. Where are the games? Well, we don't have any, there's, you have have to bring your own games. What what do you mean? You didn't bring any, I'm like, I didn't bring my own games. I didn't expect I had to bring anything. Okay. I'm paying you. (laughs) What do you, (laughs) like, so I went to these conventions and I was never really excited about them. And I was just like invited to the gathering and I went and I, it just blew me away. I was just like, Oh my God. Like it, it was truly Willy Wonka chocolate factory, right? Like bunch of people that all share the same love for the hobby that I do and the hobby being playing games. And so, and you do that for seven days straight. Well, back in the day I was only going for four cause you know, you can only get so much time off work. Right. But it's a 10 day convention. So, but four was amazing to me. And I, you know, and you stay in the hotel and you just basically game all day and you talk and have friends, make friends and socialize. And then you go upstairs and sleep and you wake up and you do it all over again for four days. (laughs) And it just blew me away. And I was like, wow, that is a special thing. Like, how can I create that yet again, not being behind an invitation. And so the, BGGCon is very much modeled on the Gathering of Friends, right? There's there's a library of games that you can just choose from. You don't need to bring anything. And I, I um, will say that library, it, it's still staggering to me that like there's a Theta Games, there's Saturn, just sitting up there. If you want to play it, go play it. And exactly. I'm just, I marvel at it. Every year I go back and I'm like, this is the most amazing library I've ever seen. That's the goal for that BGGCon library. I want it to just blow you away. Like yeah, it, it You does. should be in it, awe of it. Is That's my one, what I want you to feel. It, the, the first time we went, I just, I, I, I went into the room and I just laughed. <laughs> like, oh yeah, there's Keatum. And you know, yeah. and I'm like, Big are you kidding? It's just, it's just Hotel here. Life. It's not energy it, poker. Yeah, it's just, yeah. it's not behind, you know, like a glass, glass. You know, yeah, exactly, right. And I was like, this is staggering to me. That that bl- totally blew my mind the first time I saw it. So it took me a little while to get over that. Make multi as well. Down back when you couldn't find it. Anyway, so um, it took me a little while to get over that, and finally I was just like, you know what? I don't. I'm distancing myself from the collecting of it and more it's just for playing like why should these games not be played they're great games and they're right. just because they're rare doesn't mean i should hold them hiding underneath a blanket or whatever right <laughs> i mean glass. every yeah every game I mean, that we acquire yes. we get it to play but yeah. i mean at the same time yeah. i don't know that i would be willing to put it out there yeah. <laughs> like you know with... i i and i i think i remember bggcon 2 we took users like 
the attendees games and put them into the library. And I never really expressed to the person that if you care at all about this game getting scuffed, dinged, damaged, destroyed, right. burned, whatever, you shouldn't put it in here. Like even the smallest thing, if you if you care about that, don't put it in. And I did not express that to the person. And Uh-oh. we actually had some damage in the game, which was totally like an accident, but it happened. And then I, you know, and Sorry. I also gave a game away like to a fr- to someone who was basically badgering me the entire time for the game. I finally said, "Yeah, just take it," and um, not realizing it wasn't mine. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> it was his, and I had to replace it. That one was a tricky one because that was an out of print game. Of course, he was badgering me for the game. It was an out of print. I don't keep track of the out of print stuff. Like that's also good too to know if you're run- if you're running and curating a library for games gamers to be played. Then le- knowing about out of print stuff is probably not good for you because they'll be like, oh, like that's now worth five hundred dollars or two hundred dollars right. or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. No, you'll you'll <laughs> you'll lose sleep over it. But eventually, I just said, you know what? They're for gaming. If they get stolen, if they get destroyed, I don't care. That's, that's, the, uh, that's the point of it. Like that, so that's that's a big step, though. That's the convention I wanted to create, right? Like, okay. show up to this right. thing. You don't need to bring a single game. I want to blow you away with choice and like being able to play, and like that's the the spectacle of it. Like that's that's our spectacle. You know, Gen Con's a completely different thing, right? Sure. The spectacle right. of like so many people and all these vendors. But if you want to go to game, it's sort of tricky. You have to sign up and do stuff, and like it's it's a different it's a different take on on conventioning. Totally agree. Um, and to be honest with you, HeavyCon was modeled after the Gathering of Friends. And the only reason we have it invitation only is to alleviate that one concern that you said that was so scary is, yeah. am I going to get people to show up? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, you know, and you, yeah, I remember the first year of BGGCon, a lot of people at the Gathering were like, you're doing convention and you're going to just let anybody come? Like, <laughs> I can't believe it. Like, Yeah. <laughs> Now those guys eventually come, right? Like they, it took a while, but they, you know, like when you're gaming and you're perfectly sheltered, it's not the right word. If you're gaming and you're perfectly curated world, that's great. And that's, I never give that up, right? Like I love it, but also why keep it from just yourself, right? Like that was always my philosophy of it. Interesting. And so that's so, how BGGCon was started. Like it's, all right. So on that, so on that gathering. note, so if you've been to BGGCon, you kind of been to the gathering, like, that's the same. Not the same, but <laughs> just because you limit to 300 people and put it, well, whatever. The gathering is wonderful. I wish everybody could come, but yeah, I understand. Right. No, yeah. I hear you. I, I get it. So on that note, let's, um, uh, so you're running up against the fact that, oh, we're running out of space for BGG con. Do you, yeah. have you guys, I know it's been discussed ad nauseum on the forums and everything on there. But do you have any ideas as far as long-term plans, as far as other than BGG spring, which I understand was, was put there to try and help alleviate the overflow. Yeah. So but, we do have BGG spring, but it's not an overflow of BGG con in any way. I think it's oh, a okay. completely different thing in its own. And it's wonderful. Um, it's turned into something completely different and in its own way, right? Like it's not, it's not the focus is not, the latest greatest game from Messen. It's more well, like be, a sure. It's more chill and laid back, I guess. Like that's the kind of feeling I get. That's that's interesting because BGG Con is pretty chill and laid back as is. So that's 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 interesting. I, okay. Yeah. My, I mean, from a convention runner, I guess I feel way more easy and laid back at spring than fall. But that's and, and just us. But that's you, fair. Yeah. 
a different perspective. That yeah. makes sense. But, well, okay. We are moving the convention in 2019. That'll okay. This year and next year. So this year and next year are at the same hotel. That's the DFW Hyatt. Sorry, the Hyatt Regency at DFW Airport. Right. And so there's two more years there, which we've sold out this year. We sold out in an hour. And then next year, I assume, we'll sell out. Maybe. No. I'm, I'm sure I'm, it won't be a problem. It probably won't be a problem. And then in 2019, we go to a new hotel, and we have to figure out how we're going to grow. We don't like to just say, oh, let everybody in. Not that kind of. We're not that kind of convention. We don't care. Like, uh, to, we don't care to have as many people as possible to show up. We want a good time still. So we have to figure out how to grow it and keep that feeling of it's an intimate gaming thing with a bunch of people who like games too, right? So how do okay? So on that note, how did you make the transition? How did the transition come about? I guess then from the original two hundred and fifty you said in two thousand five to the right. Correct me if I'm wrong on the numbers, 2,200, 2,500, somewhere around there that it is Three, nowadays? 3,000. Okay. All right. Um, how did it transition? It just grew. I mean, like, you know, those first two years were limited. You're always limited by your space, right? Like, that's sure. how many people you can get into a into a room? How many tables and chairs can you put down? Right. If everybody sits down at once, can they all do that? Right? Like, that's the question. Um, that's your starting point. And then, so you go to that point and then you're like, well, it still feels like we could have a few more people. So let's increase by a hundred. Right. And that's kind of how it went for a minute, many years up to that point where we hit 1200, probably around year eight or nine of it mm-hmm. in the West end DF, uh, near the airport. And then we hit that and then it started selling out in quicker, quicker times. Right. Like it, it went from two weeks to one week to like a few hours. Wow. Right? Okay. And then, then we were like, okay, well, we got to find a new place. We were we were sort of thinking that we would find a new place before then, and so we had that lined up. We moved out to the airport, you know, and that can hold three thousand. And that didn't start at three thousand. It went to like, we were around twelve hundred at the end of our time at the Westin, and then when we went to the Hyatt, it went to, I think we went to seventeen hundred, and then twenty four hundred. So, and then kind of crept up to 3000 like it, okay. it was very like controlled it wasn't like let's just open it up and fill it up no right well and that i i guess that's what really what i'm getting at is how do you make that determination because you just said a minute ago that hey we don't want to just make it here anybody and it's 50,000 people or yeah. whatever but how do you make that how I do don't you know. i guess it's just kind of a gut in- instinct Okay. All like, right. To me, that was just like I can. I figured like we can handle three hundred more people, and we just added three hundred more tickets. Okay. Like, that was kind all of. Right. The, I mean, it wasn't really any formula. Um, although, thinking back, I probably need to. I, the Jeff Anderson and his wife Christine Anderson and John Thays and Laney Thays run the convention. Like I don't right. really run it. I am the owner of it, but I don't run it. So I, um, let them help make a lot of the decisions, and then I'm just like. They're like, well, we think we can do this and do that. And they're like, yeah, okay, well, let's do it. That's more, that's kind of more of the way they probably put a lot more thought into it than I did. Like they were fair enough. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's all about delegation at a certain point, right? To a point. Yeah. I mean, I'm still, I feel like I'm molding the convention the way I like it. I'm not letting it get to what I'm not letting it get to like what people think it should be. Right. It's still my vision. Um, Okay. The, um, 
that's why we're going to have to be careful about when we go to this new hotel. Like you can hold another 3000 people. Like you can go I, to I was six. just going to ask what's capacity at this new, it like if you were to go to six, it's twice as big, right? So it's twice, if it's twice as big, can you add twice as many people? Don't know. So it's going to be a controlled thing and, yeah. and figure it out as you go. Yeah. Okay. We'll unlock a certain number of tickets the first time, you know, we'll, we'll probably go to 3000 cause we know we can do 3000, right? We, we mm-hmm. know that. Um, and then can we do 3,500? Probably. That'll probably be the first year. Like, that's my gut feeling. I'll still okay. talk about it with everybody and sure. make sure everybody's yeah, yeah, on the yeah. same page. Because, you know, BGGCon runs on a team. It's not just me. It's a whole team of people and a lot of volunteers. Like, the Team Geek people help. You know, they they really make it so that it can happen. That's kind of a big it's a big part of it. Yeah, volunteers are invaluable. We 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 had a little hundred man con, hundred person con for us, and I couldn't. Amanda and I couldn't do it on yeah. our own. So I I totally can understand that. Right. So all right. So you said vision wise, as far as BGG con, just an inclusive, huge library, amazing place to hang out and play games. Right. We also have almost all the vendors like that that went to us and or sorry Gen Con. You know like. They're at Gen Con, they're, and they're coming to BGG Con. I'm not saying everybody, because that's not possible, but it's the ones right. that I think most people most people who will come to a BGG Con would care about, those vendors. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Fair enough. So, so we do have an exhibit hall. If that, oh, that yeah. It's it's, yeah. it's it's growing. <laughs> it's it's also sold out. Like, there's a waiting list for that. Like, you, yeah, because there's... I, I don't know if you if you noticed, Edward. The hobby is growing by leaps and bounds every year. You know, I've heard that you, somewhere. Notice that you've noticed that too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so 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 let's transition to talk about that real quick. So, regarding the growth of the hobby, do you think it's a positive overall? Do you think we're reaching the zenith of a bubble? Do you think this is going to grow continually for the foreseeable future? You being, you know. Aldi, Scott Alden, the head of BGG. What what's your take on this? Um, I've noticed it growing. Obviously, everybody has. Um, and I want to say that, like, I think we're adding probably thirty percent a year of new people. Like taking taking what it is. I know, and I have no concept of what the the total gamerdom tabletop gamerdom population is but i think we're adding about 30 percent a year like that's what i felt that's what the way bgg has grown by 30 percent every year wow um, that is a staggering number yeah it's we got 20 percent of our users last year serious to let that sink let in that, i was just gonna say that Holy. we have a million yeah so over <laughs> dude that is stupid growth yeah it's really crazy yeah so we have we hit a million when I when we hit a million, I went and looked back if like what was the growth pattern to get to a million, and basically in the previous twelve months of time, twenty um, percent of those people came right at them at two hundred the 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 two hundred thousand that pushed us to a million came within one year. So BGG's wow. been around for a long time, seventeen years, right? Or this is our eighteenth year. Um, that to get to one million, the last. 200,000 came in one year. So that's how you can kind of, that's kind of a gauge of how things are going. That's explosive growth to say the least. And that's awesome. Even though 
these new gamers tend well, to all, start with, with with these beginner games. That's an awesome thing for one, heavy gamers. We're about to hit 1.5 million. So that should kind of give you a, a time graph so, of how it's going. So 200,000 last year. Half a million When, when we hit a million, when we hit a million, it was, it, I forget when we hit a million. I, it, was, it was a okay. while ago. And then okay. now I think we're at 1.5 last I looked. And we're adding like a thousand users a day. It's kind of a lot, right? That's that's stupid. <laughs> Where are they coming that, from? That's crazy. Where are they coming from? What do they want? Where are they going to buy stuff? What are they going to do? Like these are big questions that I do not have the answers to, because I can't. I need to figure it out better, right? But what was the original question? I think I got sidetracked. Uh, wow. Um, no, I'm just I'm blown away by 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 that growth. And like I was saying, even though we don't interact with a ton of new people to the hobby, yeah. Um, this is a fantastic thing for heavy gamers because as some people or everybody when they come into the hobby, some of those folks stay at the, you know, the the entry level or family right. style games or however you want to word that. Yeah. But then some people look, you know, get to the point to where they're like, what else is out there? And then that's where they find the heavier and that stuff. That rabbit hole which, is deep, right? Yeah. Oh so, boy, is it? Oh, we were talking about bubble bubbling up, the yeah, bubbling, yeah, yeah, yeah. breaking. Are we hitting the peak? Are we hitting? Yes. No, I don't think we are. Uh, I don't think we're even close. Like, I agree I, with that. For what it's worth, from I, my, I think I talked with Eric Martin, and he said something like, "Gosh, I hope I'm right with this number. I could be off by a factor, but he said something like ninety thousand books came out last year. Ninety thousand. We didn't have 90,000 board games. Right. right. Like, as far as publishing, like, there's still a lot of, um, I Upward think there's still growth. a lot of room. That's, I, wow. I think it's more than any one person can handle for sure. Like, right. It, it's, it's eclipsed that many years ago. Like, you couldn't play all the games in one year. But back in the day, you could. When we started BGG, it was basically you could play all the games that came out in one year. Um, but now it's impossible. And you can't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I let's mean, say the number of good games in a year, like good being like let's say a seven point five or higher on BGG, sure. um, using the user votes, averaging, you right. still can't play all those games. Like that's well, impossible. We we have a hard time playing all the games in a given year that just fill our niche. Yeah, and it's yeah. And I mean, this is my job now, so I I can completely relate to that my question though does that surprise you the growth a little I'm bit saying. a little bit yeah because um the games haven't really changed much like i mean obviously there there have been advancements in game tech and all that sure stuff, yeah, yeah but yeah. it's still the same stuff right you have to sit down you have to listen and learn rules for half an hour up to half an hour uh and then you have to be attentive to a board game for up to two hours right like those things have not changed that part those parameters are the same as they've always been, right? Correct. Yeah, there's some leeway on either end. But so that bur- hurdle to get in is the same, is high, it's still high, right? Like, so what was the question? <laughs> I forget where I was going. It, 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 BG's it, has the growth in the hobby surprised you? Oh, yeah, it has a surprise. Yes, that's the reason because the hurdle's still high, right? The hurdle to board gaming is high. I try to but convert then, people all the again, time that will not never be converted, right? Like that, and but and maybe and I don't know where they're coming from. Like I said, maybe people are getting a little um, jaded with the video game world. Like eventually, you kind of that's what happened me, with me. I go 
in waves, right? Like I'm a sine wave. Like I, I'm high on video games and then I'm low on video games and then I'm high on board games and I'm low on board games, right? Like that's kind of natural. That's a natural like human thing, right? You can't, you'll eventually be like, yeah, I'm going to move on a little bit, right? Like that's just the way sure. are. But as far as the hurdle to entry, I mean, there there are, I mean, there are filler games, right? There, there are things out there sure. that have shorter playtime, shorter teach, shorter, all these things that, you know, right. try and get people hooked and be like, oh, wow, I didn't even know this exists. And all the, of a sudden they get inquisitive. Could, that could be contributing to the growth, right? People are getting more introduced to the gateways. Like there's more gateway games out there now than ever sure. before. Right. And so that instead of the person coming who wants you to get into this brings over, instead of bringing over Democker, they're bringing over, um, what's the, you know, Century Spice Road. Sure. Right? That's, like, that's one the, of the hotness. Game. That's yeah, one yeah, of the yeah. Newer, what right. I would call a gateway game. I agree. Yep. No, I, I agree. And I think this is an awesome thing for the hobby. Even if it's not our niche, it's still a great thing for our niche for the simple fact that, like I said, some of these people it, move along that 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 path and mm-hmm. that's where they find you know the 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 d mockers and the arc rights and all of those things so yeah i think that's awesome so all right a, a note about the bubble like yeah bubbles are when people are spending money and investing in something with the expectation of return and i guess potentially that could be but a lot of the money is coming from crowds right where they don't have an expectation of return well, their expectation is that they get a game. They get a decent game, right? Millions yeah. of dollars are flowing in that way. Millions, right? Right. And so I don't think that's a bubble situation. Like, that to me doesn't mean a bubble. Like, because you're not throwing in a bunch of money as with an expectation of making a bunch of money. Right? That's, like, that's how point. a bubble grows. Okay. Like, I guess the kind of the value of something gets higher and higher, and then you eventually it all becomes worthless because nobody's buying anything anymore. That there, Some of the bigger companies are in danger of that. No question, right? But I think the the state of the gaming industry right now is like a lot of small smaller companies with less risk. At least I think. Well, and the then you have are. companies like Asmodee and everything else that's acquiring companies yeah. left and right. It feels like right. Right. Well, they're spending a lot of money to acquire companies in order to make a lot of money, right? Like that's so. Their yeah. Plan. No, I hear you. So. So. Bubbling, maybe not be a factor yet. Okay. They're making a lot of games, but they know what they're selling too. Like they're not just making games and with nobody buying them. If they are, that's dangerous. But I don't. Bad business. I don't right? suspect sure. that because I. Here's my here's my feeling. Every time a new game comes out and I get interested in it and I want to get it quick, like I want to own it really fast. Like usually it's sold out by the time I get to the store. Right. <laughs> they're gone. So, my anecdotal evidence is there's not a problem. Okay. All right. Fair enough. So let me ask you, since I brought that up about Asmodee, do you think that's a good thing for the hobby? That that model that's going on? When you say I don't know if you can like call a, it a model. I mean, like but, setting the prices to be a certain point or which part? Uh, two parts. Sure. We'll tackle yeah. that one first. I mean, if they are acquiring companies, here's the thing. A lot of companies that, I don't know, I guess a lot of companies that are under their umbrella, let's say they may not own them. Okay. May not have had the capability to print more than 5,000 copies of a game. Right? Okay. Like, you can sell 5,000 copies of anything, right? The game, if it's good, right? If it's a piece of junk, forget it. But if it's a moderately good game, let's say the 7.5 bar average. Right. Um, if it's there, then um, 
it will it will sell it will sell out right and so having a bigger umbrella company with with wider or greater resources is great because then that game can get more copies out out of the gate just but does another... that make a homogenous no because industry. they 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 work with a ton of studios like they have i mean i guess maybe people just see it as like they're absorbing companies but they also work with a bunch of studios to help them Okay. All right. right. So you're you're seeing it as, hey, you're going to fall under us. You still keep your identity on who you are, but right. isn't Z-Man Games still? Well, I mean, Z-Man was acquired, and then now it's acquired again. But like Pandemic Season Two is coming out, right? And I don't know if you remember, but that was shortage shortaged when it first came out. Yes. You couldn't get it. Yeah. I don't suspect that's going to be an issue this time. Because because of they're the going to have that, the fact that right. they can produce and distribute more accurately the demand okay right? so you think you think that's not that's necessarily a, a bad thing okay Correct. all right or like or if, on the flip side not just not negative but it's actually a positive let's compare this to terraforming mars okay like which on fire right like everybody sure. wants that game and then right. steven had a a huge print run for a single business own you know single person understood right it's the biggest he, print run in the history of stronghold risk that basically yep. if he got screwed he would have been wiped out like it would have wiped him out whereas i think a bigger company can let's say take that absorb the risk absorb that risk easier like spread it around a little more i mean that's my guess i'm not okay. a business person all right fair <laughs> enough so <laughs> this is my, uh, just my gut instincts no no and that's fine but I mean, I mean people want to know your opinion because of who you are regardless business okay. guy or not um, so on that note, though, let's that talk about the the, the map. A couple of okay, talk about the, the what? The the map, the map. manufacturer uh, like oh, advertised M-A-P-P. price thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't quite understand that. I, I'm I've stayed away from all that. Like, do you can you explain it to me in like five seconds or? The best that it's to the best of my knowledge. And if I'm misspeaking about this, I'm sure the chat will let me know. But I believe it's look. You can only advertise it at this price or higher the end you are not allowed to advertise it below this price whereas if people come into your store and they see it for lower that's something different but you can't use that to draw them to you at least that's my understanding of it i don't know what the reasoning behind that is honestly is to keep the uh perceived value of a brand yes up in value okay so let's compare it to the video game industry because this is what i know okay steam just had a sale with Almost every single game on a million games. off, thirty three percent to fifty percent to seventy five percent. Some games were like a dollar, right? And they sold tons of them, probably more than they would have ever sold if they kept it high priced. Agreed. There you go. Enough said. I don't know. Like, <laughs> that, I don't know if map is a good thing. Like I, I mean, people are people have a perceived value of something and what they'll pay, and if they think that number is too high, they won't pay it. Right. Right. I agree. I mean, you on the flip side of that, you look at some of the expensive games. You look at what Splatter. Uh, you look at 18xx games. You look at the the uh, super high produced uh, Kickstarters from Simon and all these other companies that you know you're spending a hundred to four hundred dollars sometimes on some of these games, and yeah. people are still and people have no problem dropping that kind of. Coin. No, they're they're, they're they're I mean they're yeah. they're crushing Kickstarter. On some of these, I predict the biggest Kickstarter ones. ever will come out next month or this month. Oh, you think so? You think yeah, the cool, the Simon uh, Game of Thrones game? Oh, all right. It's going to be the biggest oh. ever. Going on record. I don't know what the <laughs> biggest ever is. I think 
Is it Kingdom Death Monster? Oh no, I have it's no either Kingdom it Death or or Rising it's Sun gonna break or, 10 some, or or uh, Gloomhaven. One of those. It's just massive. Yeah, yeah. Some of these and so, the Founders of Gloomhaven's coming later on this month. Think they're getting good value for the price? Then I'm all for like minimally advertised prices. But sometimes, okay. and, and I don't know. I mean, I I really don't know the. There's uh, there's definitely some inside baseball here that I have no clue on. Like I'm totally clueless on this stuff, right? Like I don't know what I don't know what it takes to sell a game, except it being good. That will sell a game every time. Right? I disagree. I 100% disagree no? with that. Okay. No, totally. And the reason being is you have to be able to get the the word out about these good games. There there yeah. there's so there's reason a lot of these games fall through the cracks and like right. wow that's really a good game but i never heard of it well and, and uh, that's and, and that's important and i always say people think there's too many reviewers or too many content makers in the board game business and i don't think there's enough there's a lot of there's games not out enough. there there's so now, many games like it's what i will say is there's a lot of people covering the hotness there that seems like well, there's hotness a lot gets clicks you know you need clicks to survive the ah, we're living examples <laughs> true, true. All right, so let's transition back yep. to BGG itself. All right, let's talk about the redesign. The redesign. Why? Yeah, wh- wh- yeah why did yeah. you do so a redesign? Obviously, um, we predate Wikipedia, guys. So we've, you know, we built upon this core base of code and design for, and I'm, and uh, and the original design is really bad. Like a lot of people say from the '90s. Well, yeah, it was from the '90s because um, <laughs> it, it was from the '90s. Uh, but right. 2005, we redesigned it to be Web 2.0, and I guess a lot of people think it's basically the old stuff so we rewrote everything in 2005 and so that's what we're living with right now like 10 year old design or i guess 12 now right so and that was the cell phones that i guess the iphone came out in 2007 um so we have a little bit of work to do to catch up and be on mobile (laughs) and we're just two people right it's two people it's me and dan and we have one designer who's about to go basically on work on another project so we are I mean, struggling to get it done. I mean, we really want to get it done. We want to get it done more than anybody. Trust me. And we've gone down a, a redesign path, which was totally the wrong way to go. Okay. And we had and to just we what, just had to what made end that it. decision. What what told I, you I it want was the BGG wrong path? I to work on my phone without pinching and zooming, and I want to be able to click on stuff and do stuff. And the, and the board game. I mean, mobile. Forty percent of our traffic is from mobile devices. Okay. Which, That's a lot. Half a million people, or two hundred thousand last we're year. Doing, yeah, you probably ought to address that. I think right? We're doing about sixty million, seventy million page views a month. It, I hadn't looked up. It's around sixty million. So forty percent of million page views last month. Yeah. Or recently in a last month. Last month. Yeah. In the last thirty. Wow. So if forty percent of those are on mobile, let me do the math real quick. What is that? Uh, 60 a lot. Forty percent of sixty million. Uh, 25 times 25 million, 24 million. So 24 million people are looking at it on phones or iPads that it sucks to use, right? Like it's not good. We got to fix that. Like that's, there's just no question. And so we've, but we want to fix it without just like putting a bandaid on it. We want to fix it so that we can live with this new ecosystem. Is that the right? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Live that makes with, sense. And we're working on new features, right? Like right now I'm working on a new feature. I'll give you one an exclusive. Yeah, break, okay, there you go. Drop it. We are working on a what we're calling the Geek Preview system. I put the word okay. "geek" in front of everything, by the way, just because I can't think of. <laughs> um, we, uh, 
you know, Eric Martin works on this yes. preview convention previews, and he makes a geek list with it. Geek list is yeah. a list of games, right? Like that was kind of what. Actually, yeah. I'm oh, proud that of, thing's I'm invaluable. The, the stuff system, he does. That was, that's yes. an oldie but goodie. Um, and so he re- he works on that for hundreds of hours on each convention, and it doesn't have a real good way to interact with it. You can't mark games that like you want to check out or you want to put on your wish list or any of that stuff. Right. Record. So, and you can't filter on a geek list. You can't say, just show me the expansions or just show me the base games or show me all the games by this publisher or sort this by a title or sort this by the number of thumbs or sort this by average rating or right. Et cetera. That tool coming out soon. will let you do that. Wow. When, okay. With a convention. Uh, it, right now they're tied to conventions. Cause that's when most of the games come out, but we're probably going to, I had a thought about, like, why do we not have a weekly or monthly Kickstarter list where we just have this list of games that you can interact with? And so it ties more interaction, user interaction, and mobile-friendly with the latest da- data that Eric's working on. With that Kinect. sounds fantastic. Now, so you, you said soon. Can you define soon? soon? Like, within 10 days. Oh, I'm going on the soon. limb here, guys. I normally don't ever say anything. But I feel pretty good about this. I think it's pretty close. Wow. Well, I appreciate you. And it's uh, going to be ready for Gen Con. Like, uh, my buddy Keith Collins just keeps bugging me. I've told him about it. And he's keeps okay. bugging me. He's like, I want that tool. I need to, I want to break it. <laughs> so. All right. So first off, thanks. That That's exciting to hear. A, for the, uh, for the exclusive, but also for the, uh, that sounds exciting because right. I know so there that are. that ties back to the redesign, right? Like we, we okay. want it to be mobile friendly. You should be able to use it on your phone. Right. Um, so okay, so the obvious question, and I, I I don't mean to imply that Scott is not a superhuman who can do this all the time, but if you just said that you have two programmers and you have a designer that's about to leave, the obvious question is, hire more people? Question mark. Yeah, there's a thing called the Mythical Man Month. Have you heard of that? I and I'm not, not basing my decision on this, but it's based. You add more software programmers to a project, and it gets more. It gets longer instead of shorter. Oh, That's, it's a myth. <laughs> it, it's a myth that you can just add more people. Um, you know, okay. we could add more people, but I need to add the right people, and I haven't really found them yet. I mean, kind of like not really looking that hard, but people kind of come across my path in my sure. life, and they eventually work out as employees, and that's how I kind of operate. I don't really go seeking for hire. Like that's okay. Kind of not, I've never trying to think of i've never done that yeah pretty much never done that okay all right but yeah at, at some point i'll probably need another programmer but it's not ready yet we're architecting it still right like you don't need you, you don't put a new person into an architecture at least uh, in my sense they'll just kind of like like we're on a p- pretty clear path of how to do stuff okay and we're doing it like that's where we are right now okay and once it's all right, done so- then maybe we can add another programmer who can kind of plug and chug Right. Like that's more where it's at right now. All right. So do you have any kind of sense? Like, are we talking 2020? Are we talking 2018? (laughs) Oh, my God. I hope. Well, I I I don't want to try and nail you down too much. But at the same time, let's face it. People want to know. Right. I mean, yeah. And I I wish I could tell them because I've said things before. Like, I I mean, like I've said, hey, we're going to redesign the website. And then we redesigned the game page. The game page took us a year over a year just to do those and so right. the next part is a I don't, I don't know how technical i want to get but basically the game page technology we used was kind of the wrong way to do it it works okay but it's not great for phones and mobile devices it's kind of slow right okay uh so we're rewriting that all 
Like, so we're redesigning the redesign, which sucks, oh. right? Like we've we've made we made a decision technologically two years ago, and that proved to be wrong. So we're redesigning that as well. Well, so kudos on you for a, it's more than just realizing putting an HTML thing on the front of it. Okay, is a complicated right. website, y'all. Probably the most complicated <laughs> website you'll ever use. I mean, it really is. Like, I've never seen anything even close to what it does. So you didn't Maybe answer the Facebook? question, though. What was the question? When? Ballpark time for? I mean, ballpark. I mean, here's the thing. We, we, so we took a, a release um, tactic to release when things are ready. Like, when this part is ready, we'll put it out. So that's why you have oh, this disjointed. So kind of a piecemeal kind exactly. of release? Okay. We, we originally, when we did the redesign back in 2010, we wanted to do all everything at once, and that was just way too much. And so now we're like doing pieces and parts, right? Um, and I'll say the next part is I want it to be done by the end of the year. Honestly, I mean, I really do. Okay. But once that right. part is solved, like that part will solve so many other parts that it kind of is like a domino, right? Like once that first domino falls, hopefully plans it's will like correct. It's like doing all... something for the first time. After you get that down, then it just becomes yeah. easier from that point. More, I won't say easier, but like, it's a formula. It's a pattern, right? And then you can follow that pattern. That's All right. So, uh, got some chat questions. Oh yeah. Well, I was, we still got shoot. We still got a lot here, but that's okay. That's okay. Uh, let me let me type one thing here real quick, and I will sure. Uh, come back to you. <laughs> um, while you're typing, I'll ask you this. So. How big of a deal do you think it is to the industry for a game to be on the top 100 list? Okay, let me think about it. How important is the top 100 list? To the industry, oh, be to it publishers, well, designers, whatever. Um, it's become pretty important from what I understand. Like I know, I know some publishers, or sorry, some uh, distributors are ordering games based on that. Like if you hit, I mean, here's the thing, the top 100 is one out of... I mean, the percentage is minuscule compared oh, to yeah, the overall. Oh, yeah, out like, of 100,000 I mean, games. Let's say, it, let's just for argument's sake, say 1,000 games came out last year. 10% of those are in the top 100. But th- more than 1,000 games came out last year, and then there's 80,000 games in the database. So it's kind of like this little tiny sliver of game. Oh, I, I agree. I mean, it, it seems as though Pe- lately it's becoming put- more of a hot list than a, you know, these are the best games type list are you concerned about that no <laughs> okay fair enough i mean people we have a, a rule i guess or a, a statement that people can rate a game for any reason at any time right and so let, here let's just do some math right um how many people just got into like bgg got two hundred thousand new users last year right they didn't go back and play all the games nobody can do that right they didn't go play the games from 20 years ago so that makes makes sense that the newerly newer rated games are new. Or <laughs> sorry, the top rated games are new, right? Because that's what people are playing now. It's just a matter uh, of numbers, right? Like See, and I, I yeah, I mean, I guess that makes sense, but at the same time, I feel like uh I don't I don't know how far I want to tread down this path, but let's go. I I I I do worry how much hype plays into that and whether or not, and because this is supposed to be 
if people like what you said, distributors are ordering these games or publishers are, are being driven off of this list or using some some of this to drive some things. If that's the case, then isn't it kind of a self-perpetuating, you know, prophecy in a sense that these games aren't necessarily the best games. These are just what's hot and hot does not equate to good all the time. And so I that's mean, my concern the number three as a game, gamer. The number three game has been on there for Agreed, but years. also, but but <laughs> also, that... look at the rest of the top of the te- the top ten. You got three games from three or four games from the last fifteen months. So yeah. I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. I'm just it it kind of makes me raise an eyebrow. Going, is this how it should be working? And should people be putting as much stock into this as they do? And if that's the case, does BGG do something behind the scenes to? I don't want to say curtail that, but maybe address so that. Maybe is my outlook on. Let's just say I manipulated the ratings to change them to how I think they should be. Why does why does the my view on the world of how board gaming is? Why should that be? Why and should that's that be a fair the de facto point. thing? Like there, I think there's like tons of slices of the board gaming world, and you've you've carved one out, right? Like you've got the sure. heavy stuff yeah, side. Yeah, yeah. Then there's the family game side. There's children's games, which no one does, by the way. Um, but you know, and unfortunately when you sort of list by ranking and you're lumping apples and oranges together, it's like, well, maybe this list is, I mean, I think it's a great list. Like I think the top 1000 is a great list. I I totally agree with you. I almost think the top two, I haven't really gone through the top 2000 lately, but I would say even the top 2000 is a great list. There are so many great games. Just the fact that there's like a little jockeying at the top. It does definitely. I understand that we're humans. We like to put things in buckets and like sort them and like make sure like this one is number one. And is it really, right? Is right. It really deserving oh, and there's of that there's one battles. Spot? There's arguments. There's fights that get. And I'm like, really? It, who cares? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, who cares? I mean, I guess right. a lot of people care. But right, right. I I don't know. I mean, it's fun to watch. I don't know if I care that the top game came out last year, two years ago. Okay. Uh, no, I no. I mean, and like, I, I'm, and I like and to I'm see not, where things go. Right. I'm. You, so, I'm an egalitarian so think, person. Like, well, okay. The board so, game ratings are ranked by the users. Like, if that's where the world is going, then that's how it's going. You know, it, this is a popularity contest, no question, right? It there, totally is. There's and there's places for that, and there's the MTV Music Awards, which is a popularity contest, and there's the Oscars, which are picked by the experts, right? So, you have all of that, right? Like, people shouldn't just make up their mind based on one fragment of of slice of data right i mean i guess there's a lot of competition for board game dollars now like because there's a lot more players right that list is a good place to start now if you go down that hole like something looks cool to you like terraforming mars came out last year it's number eight i guess it just got bumped maybe like scythe and terraforming mars are bumping like which one do i buy well then then you go dig deeper like that was the point of bgg right that like you've got all these game options and you want to find out the reason like what what game will be the best for me and my group that's and i appreciate that because the information is there whether it's from media folks like us or whether it's just from average joe user that i mean that's the whole point of that to have a meeting place of all this information and people take what they will from that and choose to digest it or not right 
I hope so. <laughs> I mean, I know so, a lot of people just say like, look at the list and buy a game, and that's probably not the way to do it. Like that's I, I say that again starting for, point. for folks, please. What did, I, what did I just say? Uh, there are some people that take the list and just buy a game without looking any further than the number, and that's not a good way to do it. Hundred percent agree with that. You should look and at I, all I'm, the things. You should look at all the pictures. You should look at all the videos, like all the podcasts and. As much as you can. I mean, there's, sure. there's a lot. And I think there could be more, right? Like, honestly, could be more. Fair enough. All right. Not one, so, no one reviewer should be able to tell you whether or not to like a game. I 100% agree with that. Whether that's us, whether that's Vassal, whether that's anyone, it doesn't matter. You, you get a bunch of opinions yeah. or experience it for who yourself. You, see who you Joe with the most, right? Like, I think I was, I, I'm like a Roger, Roger Ebert fanboy. Like, he was my gold standard for movies, right? Okay. And so, but he was just one part of it, right? Like, I didn't just listen to him. <laughs> and just, to go oh, and he said it's good, let's go check it out. Yeah, like, that. he didn't like some certain movies that I love, so. And that's exactly how it should yeah, be, Yeah, and that's right? the way it I is, mean, like, and maybe you don't love the top ten, but you like the eleventh. I mean, I don't know, you're like, <laughs> to me, all these should be the same number. Like the one through a hundred, one through a thousand, or one through maybe like, let's say 250 should all kind of be the same number. Those are all fabulous games in my opinion. In I, I think they, they yeah. all have their place. Yes. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with that. All right. That so, <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll go for questions to sure. folks after you promise one thing. Okay. Oh yeah. Hopefully. Promising. More well, I, I'm not even going to bring that one up, but the other one is, is will podcast be released from the dungeon uh, on BGG? What is the dungeon? Please. Remind All me right. So, is. so, okay. Now I've been beating this drum for years. You know that, but the two things that, that, uh, make finding oh, podcasts on BGG difficult like is like you have video reviews and then you have written reviews all on the main page for oh, the game yeah. pages, but podcasts do you know where they're at? Yeah. On a game page? I, absolutely. I know exactly where they're at. But I, have did, to... I did it in two clicks. I clicked on the more button and I clicked on podcasts. How many clicks you got to do for videos? Uh, two. No, you don't. Yeah. It's on the front of the oh, game oh, page. Oh, yeah. It's not under menu. Exactly. No, you That's all, all I'm page. asking. Yeah, I know. It's two clicks. And I'm away. not saying for heavy cardboard sake. We I'm saying to for podcasts. Um, we tried to figure out a way to do the video or the audio reviews, right? I think I meant to look at that. The problem is with podcasts, and this is a problem. And I'm not saying this is not. Yeah, the podcast is also on the main page, but it's down at the bottom. Um, podcasts are not usually talking about one single thing, right? Whereas most videos are talking Correct. about one single thing. So it's hard to like. How do I tell a person that there's an audio review of a game inside of a podcast that like minute fourteen to minute nineteen is the review of terraforming mars or you know i mean like that's a lot of work that's hard well at that point then it becomes the it, it goes on the onus of the podcasters to timestamp their stuff right i agree with that that might be a good solution force force podcasts to be for, for them to be on bgg to give me more info. i mean right now podcast all you all you need to do with podcasts is just put it in the in, into the like link when you link a podcast yeah yeah, you yeah, just yeah link right. it to the game right and then people can go look for it Yep. No, and I agree. I mean, force podcasters to timestamp their stuff um, accurately, and hey, I mean, put the, put the onus on the podcasters. That way, BGG doesn't have to carry the weight 
Uh, but obviously somebody would have to moderate that or something. But nonetheless, it's that would a be bit of work. fantastic. Yeah, I understand work. that. Just I'm uh, on behalf of podcasters everywhere. I, I totally Just, agree. Yeah. So that's all. And and I know the Golden Elephant is going to make yes. its way to BGG We're getting soon. the Golden Elephant awarded system. Thank you. I, Absolutely. <laughs> I appreciate that. All right. So let's go to some questions from users here real quick. Uh, all right, let me get on to this. Um, okay. Oh, this is this is an interesting question. Um, so from Scott early on, he said, uh, do you fear there's going to be significant competition to BGG as the board gaming market grows? What do you mean competition? Like another website? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's what he's referring there to. There already are websites out there that have our same sort of formula. I mean, so you, so there's would be more than that, like Reddit or. I I mean, like, answer it however you. What feel. was the question? <laughs> Do you fear uh, no. there will be significant competition? Don't fear. Okay. All right. Uh, I mean, I if they if people create things that that's great. I mean, spread the word. More information is good. A, a right? rising that, tide that, floats all boats. Oh, how I say time? that all the time. Yes, sir. Uh has market expansion caused you to change some of the secret sauce behind the BGG ratings? Nope. Haven't changed it in 15 years. Okay. All right. When we did, and I think, I think that's the time frame. Okay. All right. Do you, so, okay. Somebody directed this specifically towards uh, Tom Vassell's negative reviews, but just in general, I think we can generalize this is have you, have you thought of any sort of moderation to remove some of the negative, negativity whether it be in reviews comments whatever on bgg we have rules for that specifically go read okay them. yeah i won't quote them here but go read the rules of conduct be polite is the number one rule if you're if you're a jerk about stuff then you're definitely breaking that rule i mean we so welcome, where do you draw the line when it comes to we reviews, welcome though. lively debate and um disagreements but if you call somebody an a-hole or an dummy or stupid and then you're starting at hominem attacks that's no go like that's not kosher right so go read the rules of conduct i think a lot of people just skip over that stuff i mean doesn't everybody skip over all that stuff eh, i don't know about that i think it's a real I think basic set of rules i mean or, or or just you know follow the golden rule yeah follow the golden rule and you know and here's the thing i think you have to be oh my gosh breaking news just as we speak i won't i don't know if that's private or not but there's some kind of big news just came out. So, um, oh, you're just gonna drop that and just uh, let it hold hang. On, let, let me see if it's public, and I'll just. Uh... I'm sorry, I've been invested in the interview since. I know uh... I'm getting. Here's the thing: I should have got on Do Not Disturb because I get messages like this is my day, right? Like I just get. No, messages. no, that's yeah. fine. It's it's not. Um, it, it's totally professional. Don't don't sweat it up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, what was the question? Last question. Uh, uh, golden rule. Um, oh yeah, the but golden no, rule. just but but in general, and how does that apply to reviews? And um, yeah, I mean, I I don't think a problem. There's a problem with um being negative. I just think that like trashing something without thought of their the work involved in it and like maybe you should invest a little more time into something before you go trashing stuff real like this game sucks like that's a, not a one you know like th those frustrate me 
that's when I'm. Oh, and I agree. And I'm and not, I'm not gonna moderate that because that's technically not against our rules. But I kind of would. I kind of want to put out a let's let's kind of like let's aim for positivity and like if you're going to be negative, let's at least be um, constructive. Like I, here's and I think you guys do that right. Like that's a good formula for reviewing. Yeah, yeah, I think so. You can critique without trashing. Yes, yeah. critiquing and that's a it's an art. It's not as easy as everybody thinks. So. <laughs> Boy, is it. Oh, you want to know uh, the news? It's public. Plan yeah, go B ahead. acquired Eckerd Spiele. Oh, Plan B all right. News, which is uh, Sophie's second company after she acquired Z-Man. All right. And I, uh, you said Eckerd Spiele. Eckerd Spiele. Hmm. Plan B. Oh, there you go. Acqu- all right. Acquisitions and mergers all right. work as we speak. All right. So do you still have time for... Gaming yeah, I can go in heavier games. Oh. <sighs> I want to have more time, and I kind of sometimes like don't prioritize it as much as I want to. Like I, I always can find work to do. Right, we're in the middle of redesign. I've got a lot of things to do. We're going to conventions. We do our big media stuff there. So there's always something. So I eventually, some days I'll be like, eh, I'm going to skip it today, or I'm not going to hold the game day. And so that kind of is annoying, right? It's just a uh, part of the world of becoming a professional in the world of what things you love right yeah. yo a hundred percent yep yeah. it's uh but you do make uh like what are some of your favorites then i mean other than obviously um, tigris and euphrates tigris but... and euphrates man that's the best <laughs> it did literally change my life right i mean i can't that's uh, awesome dude and that's it's a great really game cool. and, I, and i haven't played it in a long time i need to play it again so i we did we had an online version of tigris on bgg at one point and i played hundreds of games through that so I've kind of like, not say played it out, but I've definitely gotten enough good fill. Um, let's see, latest. I've been playing Gloomhaven a lot. Like that's my. I want to get. I want to see all that Gloomhaven has to offer, which is a tall order because that's hundreds. I was of gonna hours. say you're gonna be there a while. And we've already put in. Gosh, I think we put in forty hours, maybe fifty already, and we're still just scratching the surface of it. That's an amazing mark. Um, what else? The big. I think I liked. I liked Lorenzo, Il Magnifico. I just played that. I quite liked it. Um, okay. I'm trying to think it through some. Oh, gosh, I love Millennium Blades. You, played you Millennium know, Blades? that was one of the biggest surprises. In fact, it was my number one biggest surprise of the last, like, 18 months. It's how so much I awesome. love that game. Like, it's so cool. And I think it probably is an underrated game and not overlooked, I think. Um no, I mean, it's I mean, it's got a niche theme, but yeah, I, I totally totally agree. It's and there's so much about theme, that game yeah. that I should hate that it doesn't make sense why I like it so much. But yeah, it's fantastic. Golden I, Elephant Award finalist. I, I quite like Terraforming Mars. I'm all right, very fancied yep. with that. I love all the Escape Room games. I played all of them, almost all of them. I, pl- I haven't played the Escape Room the game. I played yeah. Exit at Egg, HeavyCon, yeah. uh, the the abandoned cab- cabin, yeah. which was super frustrating, made me feel like an idiot, and I loved it. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> That's what the clue cards are there for. They make you feel Oh, smart. I know, but yeah, it's still... <laughs> That's the feeling. Just, like I love that feeling you get when you unlock the next part of it. It's so great. I agree. Um, so you like you like escape them. rooms, I assume, right? Like I've real only one, done like, two escape rooms in my real life. In, in real oh, life. okay. Yeah. But enjoyed them, and we did one on the B- I did one on the BGG Con cruise, and it was a one point five million dollar room. So I feel like I've gone to the best escape room, like or at least are the you, most expensive. 
Wow. $1.5 million a build out. It's, it felt like we were on a space. We were on the set of a space, um, deck, like our, uh, like Star Trek, yeah, it was it was a a cyberpunk. It was a cyberpunk. Sorry, steampunk spaceship, steam powered spaceship, and we were on the bridge, and we had to get out or figure out how to fix the computer or whatever you know that kind of thing. But it was expensive. Like you could tell, like it was real nice. But anyway, the the escape room games are great. I like Exit. I like Unlock. I've I've liked uh, the one with the keys. Oh yeah, are, yeah, that's pretty yeah. cool too. Um, they're all great. I for some reason I just like it's it's part it, it works for me. They do. I I'm a big fan of puzzles and yeah, that's exactly brain teasers. That's exactly what these are, right? And yeah. so yeah, big fan as well. Been well, playing a lot of the, the Eldorado, the race to Eldorado from Canizia. That's the deck building race game that's nominated for Spiel des Jahres. Okay, that's, haven't played it. Yep. Um, it's pretty light. It's very like. It's a family game, but it's super okay. fun. Well, it's not like we don't play these. It's sure. just they're you not saw, the focus of the show. Though. Put sellers above that prioritize. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe one of these times, if you and I actually go to a con in which... We should play settlers. I would totally the, play settlers. You know what? I would do that for so, you. as a okay. heavy gamer, I would also suggest Cities and Knights of Catan. Like, that's my favorite part. That's my favorite expansion. Okay, it's well, you good. make it. You you carve out time because you're, you're 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 uh, you're busier than I am, and I'm busy at cons. But yeah, I'll make busy. the time if you do. Deal. Okay, we'll figure it out. All right, cool. Uh, let's see. Um, yeah, I guess that we're pretty much caught up. Um, so last thing now, I started this with the last conversations with heavy cardboard, and it seemed to go over pretty well. So I figure I would continue it with you. All right. Uh, a series of six fun yet thought-provoking questions uh, that I asked just answer them. First things come to, to mind, all right? Okay. All right, here we go. Number one, how old would you be if you didn't know how old you were? 30. Okay. Do, do I have you to could, give a reason behind that? No, no, no. Oh, okay. You can if you want, but uh, I mean, obviously, more is better. But so I, you don't I always have to. tell people when they turn thirty that like oh, everybody's like, oh, any old, right? Like that's the old. Um, but thirty is like the first decade, which you feel like you're in control of your own life, right? Like in the, in your teens and twenties, you're kind of like in control of your parents quite a bit. Thirty is your first long decade. So I dig that. I Awesome. And I'm hoping to be able to go back and listen to the answers of all of these as I acquire more and more oh, of right. these conversations. Can, like, compile, and I think it'd be fascinating to listen list. to. Yeah, 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 totally. All right. So number two, if you could master one skill that you do not have right now, what would it be? Mm, playing the piano. Why so? I've just always wanted to play music for some reason, but I cannot. <laughs> like i'm i'm a creative person i can i like to create stuff but i cannot play music at all i would just i want to be that person that can just whip out a song like on the piano very cool all right if you could have dinner and conversation with one person in history alive and dead or dead who would it be one person steve jobs I that was, makes I sense, given your background, ran that company. right? Yeah, I mean, I was always a big... So when I, one thing I didn't mention when I was in a Mac evangelist, like, I went to the Mac developer conference, and there was, like, nobody there. Like, now, it's completely 100% different, right? Like, there's millions of people, hundreds of people. 
now there's no there was nobody back then. I walked into the hardware testing lab, there was nobody there. Like it wow. was just empty. That's crazy. Uh what are three things that you want more of right now? It could be physical, characteristics, ideas, anything. Three things that you want more of. Anything. Whether it's time, an idea, whatever. Man, I don't like saying those things because it means I could make them happen. Um, First things off the top of your head. I guess I would like more time, but I know I have a lot of time. So, I mean, it's a weird thing to say. So, uh, like, I want to be more do, efficient at how you budget Maybe more time? efficient at my time. And I kind of, I wouldn't mind to go back in my life where I was more outgoing and less introverted. Like, I feel like I've gotten a lot more introverted over the years. Okay. So maybe less introversion. Back okay, to those days where I was, like, reaching out and making hey, connections. Hey, let me, let me be a part of your game group. <laughs> exactly. Right. And now these What's days I'd be like, no, sorry, it's closed. <laughs> but I but that's another topic. So so what would be the third one then? Oh the third one. Hmm. Uh I'd like to go back to my body shape in my twenties. Like I don't want to be thin because I was never thin. But I would like to not be so heavy. I guess a physical okay. trait. I get that. I mean I, I lost fifty pounds last year. That's, I totally understand that. that well, that's an accomplishment. That's, yeah, I, that's a hard thing with working at home when you don't. Uh, yep. I mean, you're working at home now, right? So it's a hard. Yeah, you have I, to force I am. To go but and for do me, stuff. it's it, obviously now it's just maintaining. I've maintained it for six months now. I've kept it off, and it's just a matter of I hated how I looked so bad, and I got so pissed off at myself that I was like, "No, this will never happen again." So I just uh, my argument for folks that say that is you just have to get to that point you just on your do own. It. Yeah. yeah. That it's that simple for for me it was I shouldn't say simple that 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 diminishes the amount of effort that went into it it's just the the simple part came into you get to a certain level of disgust that you were like yeah I will not go back to that and that becomes your driving thing whatever it is so that's how it was for me anyway um all right number five what do you appreciate most in your friends. Huh. But these are fun, though. Yeah, these are fun, the thought-provoking, yes, but, but fun. I know. Um, well, I don't want all softball, Scott. Gosh, I mean, I have so many friends that will just go out of their way on the drop of a net, a drop of a hat. Is that the term? Yeah, drop like, of, a, dro- and I'm, and it's and it's rough because I live my life a little like frantically, I guess, like with not a lot of planning. Okay, and so I'll just throw something out there, and then my friends will be like, "Yeah, sure, let's do it." <laughs> does that make that's sense cool. like that yeah no really, no I, really, I totally get that like i, I think about that, the fact that so many of them are so spontaneous that, i guess i live my life spontaneously that's the right word it's not frantic okay um, that and you have friends i don't plan that... much except for like you know the big things of the year so things like that but like hey let's get together tonight and play yeah, okay that cool. kind of stuff like that is great there's a certain freedom in that i would think Exactly, and it's like I I probably take advantage of it a little too often that I don't appreciate it as much. So, all right, noted. Uh, all right, last one is what is your absolute dream job? God, I think I'm doing it. <laughs> um, what would my other dream? If I wasn't doing this job, like running the sure, however you want to answer it. 
However um, you want it. Gosh. Like for me, it was always, I mean, outside of kind of what I'm trying to do right now is I've always wanted to be a GM of a baseball team. Oh, interesting. So I've always told people that my dream job would be to run a burrito store. <laughs> because your worst problem, and this is what... I mean, this is sort of true. I, I kind of, I think, running a restaurant would be the would be my dream job, right? Creating and running a restaurant, which I know Always is a super a hard job. So well. I don't know yes, if I would really is. like it. But anyway, it's it's a dream. Um, That's cool. But my burrito stand story. I want to run a burrito stand because the worst problem you can have is that you run out of beans. Like, what else is there? Hey, <laughs> hey, Scott, we're out of beans. Okay, I guess we're closing oh, okay. today. I guess we're done. Like that's the that's the hardest problem you solve. But anyway, awesome. I do. I am a foodie. Like I love food, and so oh, you and that me both. Like a dream. Like to create my own restaurant, my own vision of restaurant. That I think and and menu and the whole nine yards. Absolutely. Yeah. Nice. Like there's All right, a lot bonus of question here that I go to and I hate them, and I'm like, what did you? What possessed you to create this kind of menu? You know that kind of feeling. Yeah, life's too short to eat bad food. I 100 percent agree. Um, so since you brought up Roger Ebert earlier, yes. bonus question, what one movie most deserves a sequel? I think I used to have an answer for this, but now I've forgotten it. Gosh, what one movie deserves a sequel? Like, I, mean, I have, I have a hard time trying to figure this one out. I, I've asked this now for, kind for two of weeks wish. running. So, I wish they didn't make The Godfather. I wish they would just remake The Godfather 3. Like, The Godfather 1 and 2 are my favorite movies of all time. Like, those are by far. You just made Amanda's uh, heart sing because that's hers as well. Oh, really? Yes. Oh. Well, they're great. They are. Godfather 3 is a piece of crap. <laughs> Redo the Godfather. <laughs> Godfather 2 needs a sequel because Godfather 3 is not. Oh, okay. that, that's a good answer right there. there I dig go. that. All right, cool. All right, that's all I got. That's the end of the internet. That's all, that's the that's really all I got. Done. Turn it off. Right. Turn Shut it down. Shut turn the lights off. off. Last one out. Hit the lights. All right. Cool. Well, Ooh, thanks everybody Kev- for watching. Ke- Kevin Bruski just said, uh, yeah, "Blade Runner." I was pretty happy with Blade Runner. Okay, all but right. they're making a sequel, so we're getting a sequel. R- right. Yeah. So there's that. So. All right, cool. Seriously, Scott, I really appreciate you taking the, well, shoot, it's been almost two hours now, uh, unexpected, but I, I I found it really interesting. I really no enjoyed it, man. It's always I, fun I talking appreciate. about yourself, and you know, I don't get to very often. <laughs> and what you get to create. So, yeah. And I appreciate you being candid, man. Seriously. Um, that's very appreciated. Both myself as well as those that are either watching live or listening after the fact i think people just want to know the why and the how of stuff and they find it as interesting as i do at least some folks do so i really appreciate it man thank you very much well thanks for having me cool everybody watching at home yeah uh, amanda thank you uh everybody watching at home thanks for joining us live if you're listening to this after the fact thanks then or on the podcast uh next week we appreciate that uh definitely if you haven't found board game geek i have no idea how you found us then but nonetheless check it out boardgamegeek.com and as always if this is only 
made possible by our patrons over on patreon.com forward slash heavy cardboard if it's something you want to support something that you enjoy you you like what we're doing here consider supporting the show a dollar goes a long way we really appreciate it so scott thank you again everybody at home thanks a lot and we'll see you next time later guys bye bye